Hey, I'm Jen Sui. I'm a certified life coach and soul whisperer, helping you unearth your true self and learn to embrace the human experience to have more ease, peace, and freedom in your life. Listen on to find out how. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome back to the Creating a Fantastical Life podcast. It's Jen, and today I have a very special guest for 12 Days of Breakthroughs. Please welcome Mikey Vongley. Mikey is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. He's competed at many high-level tournaments, including but not limited to the Asian Open, Pan American, and World Championships. Aside from competitions, Mikey is a jiu-jitsu coach and has been since he was a blue belt. Mikey has come from a large first-generation American, Asian-American. Mikey has come from a large (laughs) Asian-Australian family. So taking this career path was definitely unconventional um, and it's been interesting for him balancing the old generation principles and new generation principles. We're in touch upon a lot of this today. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Jen. Appreciate it. So this whole season of 12 Days of Breakthroughs is um, all centered around unbrainwashing ourselves. So I want to start by asking you, what was something that you were brainwashed or conditioned to believe about yourself, other people, or the world that you later just found out was not true? I think it's more, for me, it was the whole um, male things where emotions, right? It's like, all right, if you just suck it up and, you know, where we come here, especially first gens, you know, just keep hustling. And I guess in a way, cause you're just trying to survive and build a new thing. So any minor things where you might feel, okay, I feel a bit sad about this, whatever. And even sometimes when you're growing up, oh, you know, I feel this at school or this happened that and like that, no, don't worry about it. Just, you know, doesn't matter. Just keep pushing through. And then, I think as you grow up and you, I guess, expand your horizons, you travel and whatnot, I find that everyone feels very similar to you and it's okay to just express it. And I think coming from growing up like that, it's built up as like a huge thing. So, you know, when you want to express emotions, you're like, oh my God, this is like, like it becomes a big thing in your head because you're not, you've been told to suppress it so long. And then meeting people and just saying, oh, I feel this or I don't feel great. They're like, oh, that's, nothing wrong with that and I'm like wait a minute like it's not that big of a deal you mean it's okay just to so I think a lot of that has been the biggest thing for me like growing up saying all right you just gotta do it and not express and just having that being built up it's something so big in my head and then when you finally let things open you realize it's not and that has just changed everything especially hitting like adulthood and doing like I said this career path it's oh it's helped me so much especially with competitions and stuff where you have so much in your head going on and being able to express it now I'm not fully there you know it's still a work in progress but I think that's been the biggest revelation for me yeah like it's okay to have emotions and express it um you know, you it's interesting because you hit multiple intersections, right? Like you're the oldest male in your family. Um, yeah. Like amongst your siblings and stuff. And you're also Asian and you're also Australian. Has that played a part in how you were brought up to believe like how you can express emotions and like even what emotions are okay to express? Because I find like in Asian culture and like many cultures, anger seems to be like, okay. And especially for, yeah, like, for men you're or right. whatever, but yeah. like other things are not. No, exactly. I, I completely agree. And I think, look, I'll be honest, I'm really blessed. I think for us first gens that we get to have, see this and then like experience Western culture where people are a bit open and we can talk about things. And so for me, yes, you said being the eldest or not just my family and then like amongst the cousins and stuff. You always looked at, even when you were younger, you know, you're like, all right, you're the oldest. And, you know, you could be six. And like, Oh, you're six already. You know, you're the oldest. You should do this. And then, you know, you, oh, you're in high school. You can do this. And then as it progresses, you're always being, oh, but you've, you know, you're, you finished uni. You, you, you're smarter. You can do this. Or, and I'm like, wait a minute. When these guys are six, these guys are 12. Why can't, you know, they do that? So there is a level of, I guess, pressure with all that when you, you feel like ah everyone's relying on me 
and whatnot. So I got to be quite stoic and just push through. You know, if there's anything, I'll, I'll deal with it later. I just you guys, you know, you deal with the emotions and I'll, I'll keep pushing through. But it also gets to you in a sense of because you are that guy, you want to be. I don't know how to explain it. It's like it's not that I want to be, but because there's that reliance and I guess people feel a safety that, oh, if, if Mikey's got it, there's a sense of relief because it's going to be done or I can rely on him. You don't want to show that, I guess, a chink in the armor to say, oh, like, and then everyone starts to panic, right? So having that, yes, it's, I don't show emotion, I guess, there, but then growing up in Australia where you meet people who are in similar situations, but not growing up Asian, they're like, no, it's okay. You know, I, if I can't handle stuff, I'll just talk, you know, to my dad or my brother or whatever. And I'll tell them, yeah, it's, you know, this is a bit much for me. How about you guys take over a bit or whatever. And it's fine. And then as I guess we've lived here longer and there's a bit of a mix of like Australian culture, especially you know, how your parents go to work and all that. And your kids hang out with, you know, different cultures. I think recently they're more accepting, you know, so you, they have a chat, like even with my younger sibling stuff, you know, talking about emotions at home, it's a, a weird thing, but I think I'm really thankful for it because I look at from how I grew up, it's again, first gen just coming in, you don't know how to navigate all that, but now having that Western side, like seeing how my parents, my aunties interact with their children now, yeah, it's wonderful. So just to have both sides, I, I think it's great. Now, there's certain parts of me that's still very Asian that I don't think that part will ever go away. Like, yes, I want to express emotions, but in certain places or with certain people, I still don't. Like with my grandparents, whatever, because of that reliance, I still, as much as I want to express, like, I guess the Asian Australian side of me, I'm still very like, nah, maybe just not with this person type of thing yeah I think what you're hitting on there is um sounding like emotional boundaries right and learning like kind of like who's safe who's who's not as like safe or who's not as open to that stuff um and like everybody's on their own journey and so I think it's interesting like keep catching you kind of in the middle of that of you've gone through that first transition point of of uncovering that there is this conditioning that is not your truth it's not the way that you have to be um and you're kind of seeing like where else you can go with it what is that like for you and what is what is your truth of like who you should be how you should how emotions kind of play into your life um that you've had to replace that with it's more like processing so you know how you grow up right and then especially first gen I feel ah, oh, I feel this you go oh you know we had it at least you have da-da-da because, you know, back home, you know, we didn't have this or you're lucky. And I think it was more emotion processing in that way. And then because I had friends who are all first gen. So sometimes there's a lot of dismissing of emotions early. You know, you might feel a certain way and they're like, nah, we just got to suck it up because, man, our parents, you know, they did da-da-da and that. Like I get that there's a sense where you process it and you got to have gratitude for what you have. That's fine. But at the same time, you can't dismiss, I found anyway, you dismiss it too much where you don't process the emotion. Like, yes, I have gratitude that, you know, my family's come here and they had it harder, but you sometimes can't help feel the way you feel. And I think it's what I've learned. It's important just to process that emotion. So like mm -hmm. a good example for me is um, like jujitsu, right? I'm lucky enough that I get to travel and compete. I, I get to wake up and go to the gym and, teach what I love now yes I have gratitude but there's some days I just don't want to do it you know I and I just don't like it I just really hate jiu-jitsu or whatever and yes there's times you have to have gratitude but no nah, nah, I just it's great but what I've learned is that instead of just pushing through it I just process I have to sit there with myself and say look I just at this moment I just don't like jiu-jitsu yes it's a great and some a lot of people wish they were in my position but I just don't feel great right now. And then exploring why I don't feel great. Is it jiu-jitsu? Is it things outside? And I think having learning that 
has helped me so much because being able to process that emotion and let yourself not feel guilty for having that emotion, I think has been really like life-changing for me. Yeah, so, yeah, no, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that example because like you're showing so much of like how to be human. And I think gratitude is is definitely like, has is used to kind of beat people up now like when you beat yourself yeah. up too right like oh you should just be grateful and like why what do you exactly. have to complain <laughs> about and it's like that's not helpful at all and like you yeah, so exactly. like like articulately uh demonstrated how you can hold space for both like the gratitude and also just the truth of how you feel and like the sooner that you accept that and can process it the sooner you can kind of move on from it and, and it doesn't mean anything like like I think with you, you expressing it, it's like it's so just it doesn't mean for them like this is just how you feel right now. Yeah, exactly. So with that though, yeah, I know how you had mentioned that one of the worst pieces of advice that you've ever gotten is um that there's always someone who has it worse. And yes. like in what situations <laughs> has that come up for you as advice? And like why is that so terrible? Okay, so for me it's like everyone's life experiences are different, right? And I think I found people don't allow it and there's no gray area in processing these type of things, right? Like going off what I said about your parents, you know, you didn't have it like us, you know, um, we didn't get this. For example, like processing emotions early and not being able to talk, you know, like they didn't say, but an example, they could say, oh, at least, you know, you didn't get beat, you know, our grand, your grandfather beat us, da, 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 at least you didn't get, which is great obviously but it's still something that's I guess missing so for example let's just say you like me and my friends will have a chat uh you know work is not great I'm not feeling this oh man at least you're not working at da 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 and doing long shifts or whatever or we just gotta suck it up and someone's got it worse you know I look at people overseas and they're at least we're not in war or a lot of that and I just as I grew up I just don't like that dismissing of your current struggle. Like, like, like going on, what I said, it's just when I talk to my friends and my sisters and when we talk, I don't like to bring up that someone's got it worse. Like, yes, again, going back to my point, we have gratitude. But if you're feeling something now, it's okay. And I just like to have foster that safe space in my classes and then with my siblings and cousins to say, all right, like you feel bad now. Yes, you can, you have all this, but you feel bad. That's okay. Let's have a chat. What's on your mind? How do we navigate it? And I think that's the most important thing. I don't like, all right, no, but someone's got it worse. You know, mm -hmm. you should just keep going. Be grateful. Exactly what you just said. Yeah. Be grateful. It's, I think it's just terrible advice because then people put in more walls, right? Ah, oh, no. Nah. And then you get in your head. Oh, last time I brought up something, you know, just suck it up. And then you don't want to open up and things just get worse in your head. You might have a small problem. You go, oh, it's only a small problem. Now, I don't want to bring it up because, you know, I'm going to look like I'm spoiled. Or, and it's just people don't realize all these struggles add up, right? I think being able to express it early and say, hey, I just feel like this today, instead of holding on to that for the week and then, other stresses come and then you're just holding on to too much and then you have a breakdown and it's sort of like a bit too late and you want to have that so I, that's why i i don't like that advice and for my classes or whatever i try to be very open and say how are you feeling today i'm not having a good session that's fine you know i, I won i competed but i just i come back i just don't feel like rolling i don't i'm not happy that's okay let's talk about it what's going on in your mind is it jujitsu related? It is it, and then there's barriers open, and you get to have that nice openness. Mm -hmm. I, I love it, like growing up Asian and not being able to have that, and then exploring it through, like like meeting you, and all that, and exploring these emotions, and knowing that there's a safe space where it, it, it's open. It's just wonderful. I don't know, and I try to foster that in my students after like hanging out with you and and all that. Aww. That's amazing. You're such a loving and like genuine and safe presence. So, um, you know, I feel very lucky to be able to call you my friend and knowing you like compassion is also such a big value for you. It's like, it's how you lead your life and you, you can see it in, 
and the way that you literally just take action, but also everything that you're saying. What do you think the antithesis is to this intention behind someone has it worse than you? Because I think like a lot of it's a trauma response, right? Yes, <laughs> it's yes, kind of like compartmentalization so that you can like just survive. But what do you think like the intention behind that is and like the positive intention behind it is yes. and like what's the solution, I guess? Well, I guess the positive intention is we do have to, you know how they say stop and smell the roses and whatnot. You you do have to do that sometimes. Like, yes, some days I'm I'm upset and I'm like, oh, because like, I teach all the morning classes. So I'm up really early. You have a bad sleep the night before, da, da, da. And then driving there, I'm like, oh, I, I can't be bothered today. It's cold and, that, and whatnot. But you do have to catch it in that moment. So sometimes I'm driving there, I'm like, I'll, I catch myself. I sit in the car before I head into the, open up the gym and I say, look, I'm really lucky. I, I'm waking up early. Everyone pretty much wakes up early. They take a right turn, head to the freeway and they have to do a job. Maybe they don't like, I get to take a left turn and head to the gym and do what I love. Mm. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think yeah. you need that, but I think it's just hard. Like I said before, like people don't allow the gray areas. Right. And that like someone has a worse you is actually great advice because it forces you to be like thankful for what you have you know you listen to that yes someone has it worse and go wow we get to sit here and have a chat online you know life isn't too bad and whatnot so you do need that that's the positive side of it so it does force you to say oh okay i'm safely in my room you know i've got great internet great friends that we can have a chat and i think that's a positive but i think it's just bad when it gets too dismissive and you you don't get to the gratitude motion instead of saying oh wow I get to talk with Jen and whatever. You just go, now, nah, okay, fine. I'll just, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. I'll just shut off that emotion. I think that's where it gets mm-hmm. bad. Well, that's what I've learned from jujitsu. Like going off a bit of a tangent here. Like in jujitsu, nothing works 100%. Right? You could learn the move that's done in competition by the best guy. You drill it a hundred times. You can do it well. You could go to a competition and it just might not work. So I think with jujitsu, you've learned that there's always has to be a balance somewhere, right? You, you go too much on one side, it's no good, too much on the other side. I think allowing for that, I think a lot of people with advice or especially first gens where you're still trying to navigate things, you're just one side or the other. Like it's either you, oh yeah, you can express emotions, you're weak. Or if you don't express it, you're strong. But it's, you know, things have it worse and you can be, have gratitude or just people have it worse and you just shut off. Like there's no allowance for that midpoint just to explore. So I think that's sort of the main challenge, I guess, for most people. Yeah, it's definitely a skill, like um, the discernment to know what is helpful and when is not helpful. Like even when you say, if you're driving to jujitsu to teach in the morning and it's cold and you can't be bothered, it's like, maybe that's a situation where you've decided, okay, having perspective can help you tap into exactly. attitude versus oh, for sure. like when it's not. So Yeah, exactly. No, I, I definitely agree there. Before we jump into everything jujitsu, one more thing on the topic of like growing up in, you know, in an ethnic minority and uh, that whole experience being first generation. In when we had talked previously, like you have mentioned that something controversial that you hold is that respect shouldn't be automatically given, it has to be earned. And mm. in Asian households, especially when filial piety is at play, and you kind of are like, you're still your own person and you know you being in a sport that is where hierarchy is so clearly defined right by the stripes that you have on your belt by what color your belt is uh, how do you navigate that balance between having respect without reverence and also being able to respect yourself without you know betraying yourself yeah okay so especially like so you take in the jiu-jitsu context it's exactly what you said you know you're a black belt and even i feel it now when I was a brown belt, yes, people, you know, oh, Mike is a brown belt, you know, da-da-da. But I I didn't realize a shift to a black has been quite big. You know, you walk in somewhere and, you know, people, oh, wow, i got to shake his hand first. got to do this and a lot of these formalities. And the reason why, so you know how you said, I said respect has to be earned. I see that both in Asian cultures and also in jiu-jitsu culture. You know, you have some black belts who will just act a certain way like, you know, they're the best thing ever because they have the belt and, you know, treat people a certain way, which 
as I went up through the ranks, I would see that and I said, I don't, like you just can't help it. Like you, you see that action and regardless of the belt, inside you just don't respect them, right? It's not like you can't just say, oh yeah, he's a black belt. He's acting like this, but I still got to respect him. Just inside, you're, you, you just feel it. You're like, I just don't like this guy or I just don't like his style. This makes me feel uncomfortable. So I think for me, it's just realizing that I guess people just want to be treated like adults and just have, if you show respect to them first, then it's, it's, you sort of get it in return, right? Like I have students who have trained for five years, the purple belts, just because it's a purple belt doesn't mean, oh yeah, he doesn't know as much as me do this, this way. It's nice. It's like in my class, I'll teach something. And if I don't know the answer, which plenty of times I don't, I'll say, look, I don't understand this particular thing. Um, you know, Jake, you're pretty good at this. He may be a blue belt. Do you have any tips that you can help us? And I think that's how I gain, I guess in my class, it's more like a collaborative effort that they respect me because I treat them as people with a value instead of being, all right, no, I'm the boss. No, that only works for blue belts. Don't do that. This is a black belt technique. And it's very easy in that hierarchy to say that, just like Asian culture, you know, they, someone might give terrible advice, but no, I'm the oldest, you know, so we got to do it this way. You just got to break out of that, which it's easy to do in jiu-jitsu because once you're a black belt, there is more leniency of you can't take your own path in. Because you are a black belt, you can just still do whatever you want. <laughs> but it, <laughs> so you have a good, have more opportunity to change things. Whereas in Asian culture, obviously, it's going to be very difficult. Like I might say something, but still, your parents will still tell you off like you're 10 years old. So it's it's a different work in progress there. Right, right. For sure. So, um, you know, because you, you touched upon how it when you're dealing with like higher ranked belts and stuff they can have this air about them that is just like i'm the yes. best right and like this very yes. egotistical thing and i think especially in sports really in any field that skill and mastery is, is you know of importance of how well you can do something or do your job but in sports especially there seems like there's such a danger of being either like absorbed by ego and letting that fuel how you behave your growth and whatever versus maybe on the opposite end, like always downplaying your ability and believing that you, you know, you don't know yeah. anything and, and almost like that imposter syndrome side. Like, oh, oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I completely agree. So I, what I've learned that's helped me a lot, just compartmentalizing both. So I'll have, I guess in a way, like two personas, like competitor and my own training Mikey and then coach Mikey. I think before they were too molded and then it was hard, like trying to be, I like being a compassionate coach, right. And just being with my guys, but then I, it sort of lost the fire when I would compete. But then if I went the other end where I'm competing and going hard, I'd realized I was more, not necessarily more mean, but it's like, all right, we got to do this, do this, do this, do that. And then it just didn't match. And I found especially with my injury, like not being able to compete, I've had to like navigate how jiu-jitsu fits now and like the identity and whatnot. And I think being able to split both. So like every time I travel to America, it's a three-month camp. So mentally, I guess I put on the hat of, all right, this is comp Mikey for the next three months. Then when I come back, it's coach again. And I think making that switch is important because when you're coaching, you have to care for your students. For me, anyway, I like to have the safe space. I don't like negative reinforcement. I don't like, you know, the old school, like in the movie with the montage, you know, you're screaming at your students. I don't like that at all. I just find it's, it just doesn't work. So I try to be just a bit more open and more chill. But when you're competing, you can't do that, right? Exactly going off what you said about imposter syndrome and, and whatnot. Because then you're too chill. And then you get to a comp and you're like, oh no, like there's a world champion there. There's this guy's the best guy in the world. I got to fight him next. And you don't feel like you're worthy to be there. So there's that aspect of it as well. So I think for me, it's just being able to split both, having two sort of like my in a way. 
and that's that sort of helps it a lot. And then to just going, I think having great coaches and other mentors as well, guiding you through through that. For me, like how my philosophy with coaching, like I, I do like coaching more than I, I do competing. Like I think I am a better coach than a competitor. For me, it's my philosophy is, I guess, like upbringing and whatever. I looked at things that I didn't like and I wish I had. And I would always tell myself, oh, if I'm ever in a position where I'm sort of like on the other end, I don't want to make someone feel like how I I felt at that time. So, for example, like um, say if I had a, a question and not to say my coach, my coach is great, but like certain places I were trained at where, oh, this black belt's a bit standoffish. I want to ask him a question, but oh, he's he looks dismissive. And then, oh, I just do this and do that. And I built the courage to ask a question and then they sort of shut me down and that felt bad. So now that I'm on the opposite end, that I'm people asking me questions, I sort of take note that I just don't, want to ever make someone feel that so i'll say hey do you, how are you rolling do you have a question all right let's we'll explore it together like, oh, i don't know how to do it that's fine you know come and roll with me and we'll, we'll have a look at it together and so really what's helped me yeah is just things along the journey that i didn't like and just kept putting in the memory bank that if i'm ever on the other side and the thing with jiu-jitsu is i always wanted a black belt right from the moment i started i'm like i love this I'm going to get the black belt. Like, however long it may take me, that's the goal I've set. So on that, I'm like, okay, one day if I become a coach, I'm a black belt. I don't want these traits. I don't want to make someone feel this, that I've had experience along the journey. And I think that's the thing that's helped me the most, really, just having that, just knowing whatever I don't like, if I'm in the opposite end, I want to see if I can change it or not. Yeah. How did you keep that compassion for yourself when you were going through that? Because I don't know, I feel like it's easy to, to take those things personally, especially if you're just starting yeah. off and like, I don't know. I mean, for me, I know for sure, like if someone were to just like shove me off like that, I'd be like, man, like now I know better. It's not about me, right? It's about them. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I feel like that might be hard to shake off. So like, how did you still connect with your own confidence and like, you know, it's luckily i had a good training group now going off this now it's i'm making myself sound like i'm this super compassionate and like humble chill dude <laughs> but there are points there's things that he, this is a, a thing that is stuck with me which is why i try to change it so when i started there were a certain a group of higher belts right and because i was the smallest in the class so if you imagine you are the smallest and the least experienced so they would fight amongst each other and if they have a bad role they'll fight me and they'll just submit me like 10, 20 times in the round with no remorse. Like, yes, I guess to take out, ah, oh, you know, I'm, I can still do well. And that thing has like stuck with me. So these certain individuals, now the tides have turned, right? And, you know, like certain people I've rolled who are, maybe they've got more injuries now and da, da, da. And if I roll them now, <laughs> yeah, I hope they didn't listen to this podcast anyway. But yes, they're a bit older now. <laughs> they're like oh I see all you young guys you know I'm a bit older I've got a sore shoulder as bad as this sounds I have no remorse or compassion for them I said look man never once when I started you said hey are you all right you're the smallest guy maybe I won't put all my weight now when the tables are flipped this is going to sound terrible but hey we're not perfect right yeah they (laughs) were not perfect I'm like yeah I'm like if you got a sore shoulder that's not my problem I'm still going to beat you up because you had no remorse for me. Now, oh, now going that. off that, <laughs> but, but, but going off that, I don't want to have that impression on a student. You know, I don't want to see a white belt and beat him up so bad that one day he's like, Mike is never nice to me. And one day, because I've had people, you don't realize with jujitsu, someone comes in, you train with them, eventually they get good and they could potentially be a good training partner for you. Now, if you treat someone bad straight away, as they progress and they get good, they don't want to help you because, they go, hey, hey, you treated me terribly in the start. Why would I want to help you here? I know some of my training partners where on the first day, I'm always a white belt, but whatever, I'll be nice to him. Oh, okay, I'll show him a few things, whatever. But now they're like brown belts and they become good friends of mine. They're like, hey, you were the only nice brown belt to me when we first started because everyone beat us up. 
And if I'm doing like a world camp or whatever, I can call these guys and say, hey, if you're free at this time, would you mind coming in? And they're happy to come in because that first impression of being like how I treated it. Now, if you look at it from me, if one of those other guys said, hey, Mike, you were doing a world's camp. Can you help me? I'll say no. I'm yeah. busy that day. So Yeah, for sure. No, I love the contrast because um, it's so quintessential of being a human and, you know, still um, carrying that that pain it's not like I don't know maybe yeah. I'm also like because I, I can understand like being jaded and like kind of holding a yeah. grudge um <laughs> for sure and like I think yeah. there's so much culture uh especially in coaching and personal development of like forgiveness and like love and compassion and like just like no wrongs and, and like just protect your inner peace and it's like okay and also like you're a human fucking being with feelings and you can be mad exactly be mad. like it's honestly like it's it's whatever right? so <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. I love hearing that from your side and especially because it sounds like there's such a culture of there's community but then there's also the individual and like both of them need to be values in order to be successful but it's kind of like on what side are you or like where in the spectrum are you going to make your decisions and you've you seem to be like just super conscientious of that it's so which you did to like I think just, I guess in life in general, right? You just want to make sure you're doing the best that you can. And you sort of know when you're not doing the best. And you know how some people have gauges like, oh, I need to beat this guy or I want to chase this guy. I found that never worked for me because you might beat this guy, right? And then you start to slack off a bit. I remember me as a white belt, that happened. I, I just got really good at particular move, which was a triangle choke, right? And I would tap people out nearly every class. And then I just slack off. I'm like, oh, I'm going to skip training today because I can come in next day and just triangle this guy again. And you know you're not doing well. Like, you know you're not putting in the work and you're not progressing, but you're using people as a gauge. And it's just, I'd rather just focus on myself. And the reason I bring that up, because when you're training for a comp, it's very competitive. Even myself with an ego, whatever. Yes, I'm compassionate, whatever. But like I said, when I switched to Mikey mode, I'd fight anyone. I'll give myself a chance, you know, like if this guy wants to beat me, all right, you know, we'll, we'll give it a go. And I believe I have a shot at maybe beating this guy. Like you have to have that mentality, right? But sometimes if you just beat the guys here and you go, oh, yeah, I won't need to do an extra session afterwards. Cause I, you know, I beat these guys, but you know, you could, and you, you know, you should, right? So, you know, you're not giving the best. Of yourself but you just focus all right i do a training session regardless of what happens i know i'm still lacking in these bits fix it you know be honest and just fix it fix it and just hyping yourself up and then like, further into that point you need that because in a competitive sporting room people are not always going to be nice right people are going to say oh you know mikey doesn't have this or you know he's not as good as this or no, you know, I, I actually beat him with that or this doesn't work. And there's a lot of that talk because, it look, it's understandable. You're all fighting. You look from here, you might have to fight for that one spot to get to this competition. And then from there, only one or two of you gets to go there. So it's it's a very competitive environment. So you have to just sometimes just be in your internal dialogue, know what you have to work and know your own worth to say, hey, I know I'm good at this. I've trained hard at this. Whatever they say, whatever. If they beat me with it, let's problem solve that. Don't get caught up in a particular person and say, all right, now what, you know, like you're better than me and you get too caught up in the emotion, just say, let it go. All right, he beat me because he put his hand this way. Workshop it, how do I defeat him from not putting his hand there? And just being your own personal development and not taking anything too personal, I think that's it really important, especially when it comes to that high-level competition stuff. Yeah, I was gonna say like when, I, when it comes to mastery and like talking about how you plan the ranks in something that is so like other people centered, like you need somebody to roll with, right? Like, I'm I'm assuming yeah. you can't just do like BJJ on yourself. <laughs> exactly. So, and that, see, that's that's the thing because, like I said, going off being nice to people, right? You did to it's really important there because you need trade exactly what you said. I need a training partner to help me and and. You, you forget that people ha have lives and stuff, right? So you're calling someone, hey, can you come in at 11 to 12 to help me? 
he's putting he or she is putting something aside to give you their time right and how do you build that relationship you have to give something back you know so for me if i do all right can you come and work this with me i need this for the competition maybe later on the week i'm like there's something you need help with we'll spend you know an hour just working on something for you so you need that back and forth and i think that's the most important like some competitors think i'm a black belt whatever hey you and you i need to roll with you and we'll go hard what you don't realize is doing that people don't feel valued and they won't give you authentic responses they'll be like ah oh, forget this guy i'm just going to lay here and pretend to do this and get the round over with so it's detrimental to your training too because they don't want to give you a proper response because you're not you're treating them like like a training dummy essentially and not you know a training partner or a friend so it's important to realize that yes as much as you're a competitor and you have to do all this you can't forget that you have to give back or else none of this works because it's so reliant on another person as much as you go out and compete by yourself you can't do that without uh, even though the team's not out there like basketball right it's still a team effort and i think some people especially when they compete a lot they forget that you know we are a team at the end of the day and you do have to give back to the guys yeah it's it's interesting cuz i it, like what i'm hearing a lot of is like part of this um developing like a masterful mindset and like a world champion mindset <laughs> is like so much about valuing other humans and and being a good like compassionate human being that like actually sees the value in people uh which is interesting because I didn't have any assumptions coming in, but I was like, oh, we're, we're definitely just going to be talking a lot about mindset and like, you know, overcoming your own personal stuff. But like, there's so much about the other people that um, you don't see from the outside, I guess. Yeah, no, it, it, exactly right there. And I think going off what you said about mastery and, and compassion and stuff, I think that's why I'm glad like getting rid of that Asian culture, whatever, and admitting like, you know how if you express something that you don't know or this and that, it's more like a sign of weakness. Like, no, you should know all this and that. Now, with jiu-jitsu, it's great because you can't actually know everything. So it gets, like, when you're a white belt, blue belt, that whole Dunning-Kruger thing where you're like, ah, yes, so there's an arm bar, there's this and that, I got it. So if he does this, you think you, you've mastered it at a blue belt. You know, you, you talk with your friends, like, yeah, I'll just do this and do that. And as you, you go further up, you realize there's so many things like infinite paths that you can't master everything. So by like an example, by purple belt, you develop a game of your personality or just how you like, whether you like to fight on top and wrestle or on your back and you have to choose, all right, I like this. I'm going to follow this path for the next three years. And you have to, unless you're training 24 hours a day, you have to sort of shelve a few things and then go there. So you'll be really good at one or two things, but probably not great at the other. And I think heading to black belt, some people don't allow themselves like once you're black belt you have a general idea of a lot of things and you specialize in, in a small amount like a certain position i could give you high level detail and certain positions maybe just a general concept but at black belt i think there's that persona the ego the insecurity where some coaches will be like oh just how do you do this they know they don't know how to do it but they're like oh instead of doing this i would just do that and I probably wouldn't use this. Just go here and do that instead. And a way to mask like your your gap in knowledge and oh, I'm a black belt. I should know everything. But I think in order to get that mastery, because it's just an ongoing thing, you just say, oh, "Look, I don't know." And you go, "Oh wow, I I didn't realize how much I don't know about this. Maybe I should go back and have a look at this because everyone's asking questions." Or one thing I'll do is someone asks a question, I'm like, "Look, I don't know." I'll find out for you. Maybe I'll go ask another black belt or maybe I'll, I'll look on YouTube or something. And I think so at black belt, a lot of people stop because they built up the black belt so much that, oh, I'm a black belt. I'm a master, which yes, you are in a way, but at the same time, you should have, you should know that by this stage, you can't learn everything. So why are you sort of like telling yourself that you should know everything, which is impossible. So, it's so I much think like life. Yeah, exactly. You know, you grow up, you're 18 or 21, you think, yeah, I've mastered it. I know everything. <laughs> <laughs> and you realize you don't know. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's crazy because um, 
you know, that's like its own conditioning within jujitsu of like, that is the symbol that you've got your shit together, like you know everything and you're so quick and it's so easy for you to be honest with yourself and other people about like, I don't know this and like, let's figure out how and like keep that like beginner's mindset almost and keep that open-mindedness yeah, for keep sure. learning and be curious. Is that just something that comes natural to you or is that something that you had to kind of learn for yourself? Um, for me is, I think I'm very lucky that as I competed overseas, I've got to train with many different coaches and get experience on different styles of coaching and whatnot. Like when I first started, I assumed I had to be you know, a loud projecting voice. So yeah, we're doing this this way. And my first year, I'll be honest, I just didn't really enjoy it. I thought, oh, maybe this is not for me. I don't have the projecting voice. I, you know, oh, do this, do that. Until I traveled to, I guess, my first time to America and I spent extended time there training with the coaches there. And he wasn't projecting. He would just say, all right, guys, do this, do that. Um, you know, this is an option there. This is an option there. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. He's pretty chill. Is it a California thing? Or like, <laughs> <laughs> so. Seeing that, and I'm like, wait a minute. So I could just coach the way I want. And then I spent purple belt finding how I like to coach. You know, do I like to structure thing this way? Do I like to say I know everything? Do I not know everything? Or and then finding that, and then now towards black belt, I think I've found my style. Now, going off what you said about being easy to say, like I don't know certain techniques, is one I think definitive moment. I went to train with. Like I have friends who train at other gyms. So I, I went to visit and well, with the coach, he medaled at like the most prestigious um, competition in the world. So he came back, he was teaching class and someone had a question and he said, oh, I will probably do this and that, but I'm not really sure. But so-and-so is going to be here in an hour. Maybe ask him, but yeah, he's like, I would do this, but uh, I think there's more to it. Maybe you wait till we ask. And I was mind blown. I'm like, whoa. This guy just meddled at the best comp and he sat there and just said, I don't know this, maybe ask. And that was like, my God, if he can do that, I can do that. You know, I can say, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And that sort of changed it for me. And you realize because it's a skill-based sport and if you're nice to your students, whatever. So I took the mindset like, okay, if I say, I don't know, someone might have the answer. And I think my students, most of it, if they genuinely respect you and want to be in your class, they'll say, Oh, that's fine. We'll we'll figure it out next time. But if say the the reaction you don't want that you you're scared of, like oh, Mikey doesn't know anything. Like I'm gonna leave. Is, it, is that someone you really want in your class or your life? And I think we forget that sometimes. We, if someone has that reaction, it's not someone we actually want to be around anyway. But we're so obsessive over that particular reaction sometimes, yeah. which is yeah. Some people might say, oh, no, I don't like Mikey's style. Okay, that's fine. Maybe okay, and then sometimes I change. They let's say, okay, they give feedback. You're not doing enough this. You're not doing enough that. I try to explain why we do it, and if it's still no good, I'm like, all right, maybe let me take inside advice and let's see what we can switch around. But if someone just dismisses it completely, then you know, what are you going to do? Like, if you're honest with yourself and you don't know something, you just don't know it, right? I, I can find out and how to do it, but at this point in time, I just if I'm completely honest, I don't know. So yeah. it's having high level guys show that vulnerability and knowing your reaction. I think that's a big part. Like I looked at how I reacted to them, right? So he said, I don't know this uh, thing. Wait till someone asks. I had no change in respect or anything. I'm like, oh, okay. He doesn't know it. I'll wait till so-and-so comes. But I think sometimes we don't allow people to feel that to us. You know, we think people won't look at us with that same reaction, you know, now nah, everyone's going to not like me or they're going to judge me, but you forget, Hey, maybe they might be the same. They might, Oh, Mikey doesn't know this. I'll wait and ask whatever. And there's no change in respect or judgment there. Yeah. I think there's so much humility in being able to like admit, like when you don't know something and it's, it's, it's kind of sad that I even have to say like admit because it's just like the truth of it. And like, there's no shame in it either, because I think when you said, you know, how this guy demonstrated him saying that he doesn't know a certain technique, it didn't seem like there's any shame attached. It was, it was just like, I yeah. just don't know it. Right. And in society, there's so much conditioning, especially for men to like have to know things. And yeah. like, it's such a pressure, <laughs> like in school too, of 
you know, it's not okay to say, I don't know. You either have to guess and then feel bad if you're wrong or like if you don't know, like it's because, you know, you need to go to an authority to know, right? And like you can't trust yeah. yourself. Um, and for men, especially, it's it's such a attachment to ego and like what a man is and like who they should be exactly um, oh, versus scary. like with women there's like so much apology when it comes to it's like it's not just oh they're so quick to say i don't know but then there's all the shame like oh i'm so sorry like i don't know and like oh like right and it's like oh wow what a interesting like melding that we have there yeah and i i think going off that like especially men and jiu-jitsu as well what i've noticed is sometimes when people don't know a way to mask it is just to like dismiss a certain thing so like my game is like i like going like upside down and rolling around this and that and it is quite a technical position because you're essentially trying to work things out while you're upside down right and other coaches might see and say oh you, they don't know what's going on but instead of saying oh, i don't know ask mikey or it's a technical move that maybe i just don't know they're like Oh, that doesn't work. You know, it's it's all this new age California really? stuff that doesn't work. Oh yeah, it's oh, wow. really prevalent there. It's that's another way they mask it. So I try like I can I have to catch myself sometimes. I I find myself doing it too, and I'm like, oh wait, wait, wait. Like I get too deep into my own philosophy and game, and I I have to catch myself. And go wait a minute. Like I don't know this. That works. Obviously, it's worked in a competition you can still do it i just don't know ask someone else so yeah it's so the problem with jiu-jitsu is i think it's very similar you know how they talk about when oh if people win money they'll win the lotto it's not like they're changing it's just like the true self is coming out right like if you're mm-hmm. a super generous guy in general when you get money you're just going to be more generous right or, or type of thing right, right? Like money just jiu- makes you more of who you are exactly exactly and jiu-jitsu it's very similar because they, they they always have what I don't like is this whole oh jiu-jitsu saves lives, martial arts, you know, it humbles you, da da da. Like it is the same with anything else. Like there you might have that honeymoon period as a white belt. Well then after that, it's the same as any workplace anywhere in life. Say for example, you're um a really relaxed guy. So I have a, a good friend, a mentor, and he's a black belt. He's always been a super nice dude, super humble. And as he's got into his black belt, He's actually extra humble now. He doesn't even talk about it. And I think because you're at that level where you're just super humble, you don't care. But if someone were to question that, you're a black belt, you're probably beat up. Okay. Now, if you are a terrible person and you're just an asshole in general, right? As you get to a black belt, you can be even a worse person. So if someone has a problem with that, you're a black belt and you can beat them up. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's like, the thing with jiu-jitsu as you see people progress whatever their personality traits are it sometimes unfortunately does get well either way like you're either worse or or better and it's been a very unique observation yeah i think like, like yeah that like definitely just plays a part in in life right where obviously like how, how money is accomplishments like anything with that like having a degree not having a degree it's so much of people's self-projected ego of like who they think they are but it's not even who they think they are it's who they think they are in relation to other people like what other people perceive yes. them as and then they like feed into it or they feel like they need to keep up this front you know because it, it sounds like you've you've had this kind of perspective when you started or like you've been able to like kind of just cultivate it what was it about your journey like just starting off even like just coming into it as a career that kind of helped shape your perspectives as you went along? I, I think, I'll be honest, I didn't want to use it a career and even coach, to be honest. Like, I, I was like any other young male, you know, you watch UFC, you see guys fighting, you wrestle <laughs> with your friends and your cousins. Oh, and my then, gosh. <laughs> just like that, yeah. Then you're like, oh, I want to try it. And there's a gym around the corner. And I said, yeah, I want to do this. Actually, I want to do MMA. I'm like, yeah, I want to do MMA. Found a gym. I did some striking. I got punched badly by some girl. And I'm like, I don't like this. But the jiu-jitsu oh was God. great. <laughs> <laughs> so I stuck with the jiu-jitsu and I just wanted to compete and do that. And then the unique thing was finding like coaching and you helping someone. And it was a great feeling. I'm like, oh, wow, this is 
pretty cool. And it wasn't like, I think what didn't stand out was trying to help competitors. Not to say that's a bad thing, but just people who don't have confidence, whatever. And you go, hey, you know, do this, do this. Then they get a bit of confidence and then they're like, oh, Mike, thanks for, you know, the other day, you know, it really helped me. And then when you get messages like that, you're like, wow, this is a great feeling, like to have that type of impact on people. Now, in terms of career, it, it wasn't planned. Like I finished uni. I'm like, you know what? I want to take two years to compete. And then here we are. Oh, my <laughs> three, gosh. Three. Yeah, so it's, what was that like belief like like what did what did you have what was your mind at in terms of being able to hold that belief and give yourself that two-year spin because I know so many people who like want to do things with their life change careers be an entrepreneur or whatever and they're like I'll give myself like six months or like a year or like they think that if they can't get it by like a month then like they're a failure they're never they're never going to be able to be successful it's funny that I, I think through so I had a really bad injury and that turned out to be a positive in a way. So when I finished uni, I think I was about midway through my purple belt, right? So there's white, blue, purple, brown, and, and black. And I was starting to get a bit over it, burnt out sort of, right? Like I've trained like every day for the last five, six years. So when I finished uni, I'm like, oh, you know what? This will be like my farewell tour type of thing, all right? I'm going to finish, train hard, do the major comps, and then, you know, whatever happens next, I'll probably just shove jiu-jitsu for a bit. And do other things. So I trained really hard for the world championships. And the week before I had my last hard training session and I rolled some guy. It was my fault. Like it wasn't them. My leg got caught somewhere. I went up and I just heard like a huge tear. And I, so I pretty much tore my LCL and I couldn't compete. So that was done like the week before. After all that training, the week before I, I tear my knee. So it was over. But, you know, I mean, obviously you're devastated. But I think what that gave me was that hunger again. Like I really wanted so going from being burnt out and using this as a farewell tour to getting injured, I'm like, no, nah, I I wanna come back. Like I really wanna do this. So then that second year was like I, I guess like getting back to like excitement and because you know how it's there, you sometimes take it for granted. And then when it's completely gone, you're like, oh wait, you you forget how much you really loved having it in your life. Mm-hmm. So with that second year competing. And then because I fully went into it, I was at the gym all the time. So I started coaching as well. And then from there, it just kept getting better. And then I realized, I wouldn't say it's like a gift. I don't want to sound like I'm some like, whatever. Like it's, it just gravitated naturally to me, like the coaching side, you know, like I'm not saying like it just comes easy, whatever, but naturally I was able to do it well, you know, like I do this, I can problem solve quite well and in that space of jiu-jitsu, it just felt very natural. Nothing was forced. Like if I were to take a class, someone asked me a question, if I was doing a private lesson, nothing ever felt really, I wouldn't say it's not like it didn't feel difficult. It just felt really natural. Like, you know how mm-hmm. some things you do at work or, or gym or whatever it is, like there's a certain like effort and or not. But this is just one thing that like I've never felt before. Like it was just really natural. Like when I did stuff, it's, I felt like, I was just, I could be in the moment and not to say it's effort, but it's just, yeah, yes, exactly. That's the best way to explain <laughs> it. I was, I was just in flow and I thought, ah, oh, okay, I might like to do this because yes, having, I mean, you can go the other way, have a good career, money, this and that, but I found the unique thing of being able to influence people's lives in a, well, sort of like what you do, right? Like it's very rewarding when someone comes up and says, hey, you know, Someone comes in super shy, super anxious, and then in a few months, you know, they're competing and you see them like have a new spring in their step and then they take that to outside of jiu-jitsu into the rest of their life. And it's it's such a unique feeling to be able to help people do that. So I think because of that, I'm like, wow, this is is very something special that I get to do. Not just, you know, teaching people to choke each other, but like (laughs) off that (laughs) Love yeah. that. There's always better to that. Yeah. A hundred percent. Service is service is a spiritual practice, and um, flow is a spiritual practice. Like just gratitude, presence, all the things, compassion, all the things that I think were key points that we like hit on today, and the things that you, you know, bring into jujitsu and your life is honestly it's such a reflection of your own spirit and your own soul, and hearing how 
much like it connected coaching connected with you and being able to help these people because it's it's not about how much you can go like how how many accomplishments you can have how many competitions you can win it's like so much that internal glow up that you see and that internal growth that is what not only makes the process and like us doing what we do like enjoyable but also for the other person receiving it it's it's literally life-changing oh for sure I agree and you you think about I think jiu-jitsu is great because it's like you're playing like a game of life but in like accelerated you know like you can because you plant things and then you see how they they progress quite quickly for example let's just say you give someone bad life advice you probably won't know until maybe like later on but in jiu-jitsu you could give them bad advice and you could see it straight away and you see like all the dynamics the ego like I'm a black belt, right? So if, say, you and I were, I was teaching you something. You trust me that I'm black belt. I could say, all right, Jen, you put your hand behind your back and you do this and you move forward. This is a black belt technique. And you would listen to me. You'd believe me, right? Because I'm a black belt. And then you get out there and someone would choke you and you're like, ah, that's no good. <laughs> so <laughs> so the idea is that you see how the stuff you show people and you know if it's not genuine or not, it's just a detriment to them you could say nah do this i like to do it this way and as they progress you just they're just going on the wrong path and you're showing them the wrong path and it it just shows yeah like life like you give someone bad advice you don't say you don't know you tell them something bad it, it could influence them in a bad way and you don't realize how much influence sometimes you have on people like a word you say or something you don't say and that's something i as a coach like going off the black belt thing I, ha- I didn't realize how much weight your word has as a coach and a black belt coach in particular. You know, like I always joke around like Australian culture, you're joking around your friend, you're always like making fun of each other, like all the time. But I had to catch that with students. If I do that, they're like, oh, why is this really bad? Like, oh, I didn't, am I doing something? I'm like, oh, okay, wait. So maybe let's keep the, the fun and roasting with just the higher level friends and if I'm in coach mode, <laughs> because you you go in there and say, oh, how am I going coach? I'm like, you did really well today. Like, I'm really liking this. That makes someone's day. Like, you don't realize how much a few words from you makes it a day. And then the opposite, if you just, dude, like, what are you doing? You know, why are you doing that? That just crumbles them. And as a black belt, there's so much weight in that, that I had to be really mindful of my words when I communicate with people. Like as a blue belt, no one cares. Like, ah, oh, it's just a blue belt, whatever. His words don't mean much. But then as a black belt, oh, you know, Mikey said this and then they might go home and think about it. Yeah. So you just do, you teach, like, do you teach your students to like not personalize things like that? Like keeping yourself and then your skills and like you as your sport separate. Does that make sense? Yes. Oh, for sure. And so it's hard for like beginners because you're going to problem solve something, right? They're going to have a question. All right. I'm doing this, but I'm falling off this way. I'm like, all right. So how you fix that? You do this. Now, like I said, there's just infinite moves. There's always going to be a problem to another solution. So it's just going to go back and forth forever, right? Until someone has that gap in knowledge and that's how you win. So I think that's getting them to understand that is the biggest thing that you can't know everything. And at Blue Belt, even myself as a Blue Belt, I watch DVDs, instructionals, do private lessons. I think I've got the answer to everything. But until that moment when you realize you just can't know everything, and that's okay. That's the big one. That it's okay not to know everything. Then they progress better because the pressure is off them. And I, I think going off what you said about compassion, I think being honest, you know how sometimes you think this is just going like in general, you know, you, you're having a bad day. You, you feel terrible and you're so low and you're like, man, no one gets it. Like, you know, I'm so stressed and I feel this. And then you just have a casual meet up with someone like, hey, man, I'm, you know, I'm f-. like for me, like going off a tangent here, this been a, a stressful month anyway. And my strength and conditioning coach hasn't trained much jiu-jitsu and I haven't done much strength and conditioning. So we met up yesterday and I just said, look, man, it's been a long month. I feel burnt out and whatnot. And he echoed the same thing. He said, I feel exactly the same. How about we do what we do? Let's enjoy the rest of the year and we'll both start again next year. 
And I'm like, ah, like you're not alone. And that's why I tell my students. So if they compete, if they have a gap in knowledge as a purple belt. So for purple belts, you've trained for six, seven years. They sometimes feel like they should know everything. So I'll get them to run a class and they panic. They are, I don't know this. I don't know that. I'm just show what you know. There's nothing wrong with that. I said, look, I teach class every day. Sometimes I don't know. And a good example is there's a particular move called a guillotine. So you're essentially putting someone's like <laughs> head here and you're like trying to choke them. Now, this move has never worked for me. Like I just can't get it right. Over 12 years, like I'll get someone in there and I just can't finish the move. Oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so going off that, as I was teaching them in class, I, I showed them in theory on how it should work. But I was honest. I said, hey, guys, look. I said, even me teaching now, I, I said, look, I feel a bit nervous and there's a bit of imposter syndrome right now. And I said, I'll be completely honest because I have never hit this in a live role. So this in theory is how it should work. But, you know, have a look at YouTube, ask other coaches or even amongst each other and troubleshoot. I said, look, I'm going to do my best. And I'll be honest, I'm actually very nervous teaching this right now. But, you know, let's just give it a go. And for them as purple belts, they're like, Oh, okay. Well, they might look at you. Oh, Mikey is an encyclopedia. He knows everything. But to show that, oh, even Mikey doesn't know things, it makes them feel better. Oh, I, I might be a purple belt. I've trained for seven years. But yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. I don't know how to do that too. I don't know how to do this. I can have a gap in my knowledge and still work because Mikey's still learning stuff. He's teaching things he doesn't even use. So it's, yeah. I think that's the most important thing. Just have that, like going off what we're talking about, compassion. Just to show that, yes, I am just, we're all we're all the same, right? You know, whatever insecurity you think is unique to you, oh, you know, I'm going to compete. If I lose, I'm going to disappoint my coaches. Well, I feel the same. You know, I feel like if I lose, I'm going to disappoint you. You guys come in every day to my class. You wake up early. I go to, remember that time I went to a competition? It was a no-gear world. I vividly remember this. I messaged you and I'm like, all right, I'm off to the comp. Got there, got tapped out in 40 seconds. And it's like, oh, oh. my God. Oh, <laughs> and yes. it happened. <laughs> yeah, that was like the worst moment ever. And then, and going further off that, the guy got me in a armbar at 20 seconds. And I looked at the clock. I'm like, Mikey, you can't tap out at 20 seconds. You guys got to hold it off. So I just let him keep cranking it. And I knew I couldn't get out, but I guess the ego of not wanting to be finished in 20 seconds. And then I looked at time. I'm like, Ah, 40 seconds is okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like, just don't break my arm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think expressing that emotion. So when I came back, I said, look, I felt embarrassed. You know, you guys all train with me. You woke up early to watch LA time of me losing in 40 seconds. And they all said, look, it doesn't matter, whatever. So I said, just remember what you just said to me because it's the same reverse. You go compete, whatever happens, I feel exactly the same. I don't care. Just I'm glad you went out and did it because it takes a lot of courage and we'll come back and we'll just keep, you know, it's just part of the journey, right? And I think for my class, I, that's helped so much. Like it's such a one, like it took me a few years to like cultivate, but this class is like, I am so, like some days I'm so grateful because we'll just have like a collaborative effort. Yes, I'm a black belt, but everyone just chimes in, hey, I would do it this way, do it this way. Would you do it this way? And there's always this running joke. If someone shows something completely different, they're like, oh, you think you're better than Mikey now? Like, da, da, da. <laughs> so it, it, it's a really fun thing. And I think that's only opened because I've opened up and say, hey, it's okay. I love that. Being, I mean, you know, you being a leader, it's always like you go first and you demonstrate yeah. that so beautifully. And, and I always say too, like a leader is just the person who holds the strongest belief and you are so like always in alignment with yourself, like even in the humanness, right? Because alignment also makes room for the contrast, but I feel like you're just, you're so you and you, you can see it. Um, so thank you so much for, for all of this and like all your pieces. No, thank you. Here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Of course. Um, with that, is there anything else that you want to say to people about jujitsu or live or anything? I think it's just, yeah, just be open. And I guess knowing that for me, I guess as a male and an Asian, just vulnerability doesn't mean weakness. I think it's probably like the biggest 
take I can give. I think going through jiu-jitsu, going through life, and knowing that you can open up and it's fine, I think that's the biggest thing. Because going off a tangent here, like growing up Asian, you have that immigrant guilt of, ah, okay, i doing jiu-jitsu, but I should be doing something that makes a lot of money and then supporting my parents and whatnot. But if you just hold that, then there's a lot of unnecessary resentment to your life or your parents, which are not, shouldn't be there. But if you just open up and say, hey, this is how I feel, other people feel similar things. And they might say, you know what? It doesn't matter. Everyone's actually fine. Like you can do what you want. We just want you to be happy or whatever it is. And you're like, ah, so this was just in my head sort of type thing. You know what I mean? So, yes, I think just processing your emotions and being allowed to process it and being open, I think it's, has been life-changing for me and I hope everyone can find their way of doing that. I love that. That's beautiful. If uh, people want to find you on social or watch you in competition, where they can, where can they find you? Um, so all my competitions are on the jiu-jitsu site called Flow Grappling. Uh, if, but if you just follow my Instagram, Mixpec, M-I-G-S-P-E-C, I'll have like competition and videos and stuff on there. Okay, awesome. Well, that all that stuff will be down in the show notes below. Um, I also did a little research beforehand, and I can also find you on YouTube. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, I do have a few instructions on YouTube. Yes. <laughs> so if you want to see clips of Mikey in action, um, you can you can find that on YouTube. But thank you so much for being on here. It's been such a pleasure. No, thank you, Jen. Thanks for having me.